was a good friend of mine. Hello and welcome to the Huntsman World Senior Games Act of Life. My name is Kyle Case and I'll be your host on this amazing journey as we attempt to help you get the most out of your life. Joining me in our studio today is my co-pilot, Lil Baron. Hey, Mr. Case. Lil Baron. <laughs> Kyle. Can you feel it? <laughs> yes. It's, oh, boy. It, I mean, it's coming. It is coming. It's coming. Now, listen, let's just acknowledge yes. this between us friends that yes. for us on the staff, <laughs> this time of year can be a little stressful. Yes. I mean, we just need to acknowledge that. Yes. Very there's a, much there's so. a lot of things that are going on behind the scenes, a lot <laughs> of details. There's a lot of unknowns that have to yep. be figured out. There's a lot of things that are going on. A lot. <laughs> but let's also acknowledge that it's also a very exciting time. It is very exciting. We work year round. We do. So that when the games come, we're, we're ready, we're prepared. Yep. We want to provide this world-class experience yep. for our athletes. And, and just to be a part of it, is very exciting. It is very exciting. Stressful, <laughs> yes. Stressful, yes. Very exciting. But Lil, one of the things that I love the most about working at the games is that we love the games. Yes, um, we do. I mean, we really do. And there's, again, a lot of things that go into it and a lot of stress and late nights and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's all worth it. It is it's all, all worth, worth it. it. So we've been talking for the past several months, really, about all mm -hmm. the benefits that are available to our athletes at the at the World Senior Games yep. as they register for as athletes. I'm curious for you, what's the thing that you're most excited about coming up in just a few weeks for the World Senior Games? Oh, gosh. You, again, you always- So many me, things, I know. Right? So many things. Well, there are so many things. But what I love the most is just to see the people that I've seen before and yeah. the smiles and the friendships oh, that yeah. you've made. I love that. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel the same way. If if I have to, you know, put a label on what's my favorite yeah. thing, it's definitely the people. Yeah, being able yeah. to watch these athletes come from all around the all world. All over. All around the world, they come. They come together. They're here to do their best to, you know, break stereotypes right. and exceed expectations and do things that so many people in the world are. I'm going to say un unwilling or maybe right. unable, but un yeah. unwilling to do yeah. in some cases and in some ways. These athletes come and they do that. They do. Surprising yeah. everybody along the way, their family, their partners, their friends, their yes. doctors, you know, they're, and, and I just, I love being able to be a part of I that. I love to watch all of that unfold. You know, you talk about sports and, you know, the, the agony and the ecstasy and, yep. you know, the, the lost games and the, you know, the questionable calls, but also <laughs> the, the personal bests and, yep. And you know the metal stands and all that kind of stuff. I just, it's it's intoxicating. It is, and it it's is. exciting, and you look forward to it. Um, I'm looking forward uh, again. My family has really rallied around the event. Uh -huh. My parents have both become athletes over the mm -hmm. past several years. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, I, I, my wife is going to compete yeah. again. She got her very first chance last year to compete. She's competing again this year. I'm excited that I'll be able to join them all next yes, year. Yes, you will. So I only, I, you know, 49 this year. I only have one right. more year to go, and I'm looking forward to it. But man, there's so many things: the opening ceremonies, the conference oh, yeah. celebration, the friendship festival, the ability to provide health screenings. They're just so. Oh, so, so many much. great things, but it really comes down to the people. It does the friendships that you make, yeah. and there are so many athletes that yeah. you, that you know, and that you you build that relationship, oh, yeah. and you look forward to seeing them once again. And I'm definitely looking yeah. forward to that yeah. again. A lot of times, we're able to stay in touch on Facebook right. and other. Uh, social media mm -hmm. throughout the year. And I love that. I love those friendships. I love when my birthday rolls around and I get <laughs> wished happy birthday in multiple language yeah. languages from all around the world because mm -hmm. of the world senior games. But that doesn't replace being able to 
eye to eye and shake hands, give a hug and just be together with people. And that's what we're looking forward to. And let me say registration closes on September 1st, but in the United States that falls right on a holiday weekend. And so I'm making a big announcement right now. We're going to grant a reprieve and extend the date to September 5th. Oh, wow. Tuesday, September 5th is going to be the last day. You heard it first here. (laughs) So if you want to be a part of that and man, I, you want to be a part of it. Oh, of course. You want to come and be a part of it. Take advantage of those extended days. Uh, if you've been sitting on the fence, it's time to jump off that fence. Everything you need to know about registration yep. as well as the games themselves, it's all available at seniorgames.net. So check that out. Yeah. And just, oh man, come and be a part of it. Absolutely. So much fun. So much fun. You won't regret it. Yeah. Okay. Today's guest. Yes. Dr. Stacy Sims is an international exercise physiologist and nutrition scientist who aims to revolutionize sport and exercise training and performance, especially for women. Oh, and so We're going to get into some really cool good. stuff here. She's directed research programs at Stanford, at AUT University, and the University of Waikato, focusing specifically on women's health, sex differences, environmental stressors, such as heat, cold, or hypoxia, as well as performance. Her contributions to the international research environment and the sports nutrition industry has established a new niche in sports nutrition, and establish her reputation as the expert in sex differences in training, nutrition, and health. Dr. Sims is in high demand in the sports science performance and active women's universe for her women are not small men lectures. <laughs> and as a regularly featured speaker at professional and academic conferences, we're so excited to learn more about her research. Dr. Sims, welcome to the show. Yes, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. <laughs> hey, I just, I got to start off with, I watched one of your TED talks and it was indeed entitled women are not small men. And I got to tell you, I loved it. I loved <laughs> it on a million levels because I thought it was just fascinating and interesting, but I also have just recently been given the opportunity to be a coach for our brand new established girls wrestling team at one of our local high schools. And you, you really opened my eyes to some things that I was not thinking about. I was, I was, I've, coach boys for yeah. a long time. And I kind of had an idea of what I thought that would look like. And you really gave me pause for thought in uh, some of the things <laughs> that you shared. I love that you talked about. Thank speci- you. Well, no, really, <laughs> really? Specifically awesome. you talked about uh, a, a female swimmer who was in high school and some of the challenges that she went through. And it really just like allowed me to step a little bit back mm-hmm. from what I thought that I knew and understood, <laughs> which was, which was good and important and necessary. Yes. And it really taught me a lot of stuff. So thank you. Perfect. That's what we're after, like making that awareness. And then coaches like you who are with, you know, younger girls can actually improve their um, sporting, I guess, not necessarily ability, but their love for it because yeah. now they feel comfortable. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Their, their overall experience. Yeah. And like I said, yeah. I think you just, you brought up a lot of just important points that I think I'm going to be able to implement. And I, I really appreciated that. Yeah. I genuinely yeah. did. It was really cool. So we're going to get into all of that. We're going to talk about the differences in, in men and women and training and things like that. But I want to start off with a, a key area of your research, which is thermoregulation. Can you give us yeah. just a, a broad overview in layman's terms? What is thermoregulation? Well, it's the, your body's ability to um, stay within its normal temperature range. So the human body itself has a very small temperature range where it works optimally and then there are extremes in environment so you get too hot or too cold um, the body responds to try to keep its internal temperature at an optimal range so that 
you actually survive. So thermoregulation is the body's ability to respond to the environment, to try to keep its own internal temperature at that optimal range to, yeah, I guess, live, survive. (laughs) (laughs) To live, live, which is kind (laughs) of important, right? Yeah. And generally, all this stuff just kind of happens if everything's firing on all sim- uh, um, cylinders, cylinders. thank you. <laughs> yeah. it, it just kind of happens by itself. It's a little bit like your heart just beats and your body just kind of regulates yeah. this temperature. Mm-hmm. Are there things that can throw it out of whack? Well, <clears throat> when you look at, um, like if you're not conditioned to really hot environments or you're not really conditioned to cold environments, that can can throw you off a little bit. If you have had some kind of heat stress or heat illness in the past, you are more susceptible to getting it. Um, We know that there are things more autoimmune responses for women than men. So things like Raynaud's and I'm standing here in a very cold room. My hands are completely white because that's just a response, right? Because your body's really trying to bring the blood where it needs to be. So for being really cold, everything comes to the central to keep, you know, blood going to the heart and the brain. And then when you're overly hot, you have a lot of blood flow that goes out to the periphery, out to the skin to try to offload that heat. So then women and men will feel faint and and, um, they pass out. Sometimes they'll stop sweating because the body's like, wait, I need to hold on to some of that fluid. So when you get into those extremes and the body is just on the, I just don't know if I can handle it. That's when we start to see lots of complications. Now, what does that, how does that relate with athletes? So we're talking about extremes. Are you talking about you get caught outside in a blizzard without a coat? Or are you talking about I'm training too much and I'm pushing myself to that extreme? What what are you, what are you talking about there? So with athletes, you can use it. um, You can actually get into trouble. So for example, we look at someone who is an open water swimmer and they might even you know, a lot of the competitions, we're not using wetsuits because there's a there's that range for wetsuits. So someone's getting in the water and it's just colder than what they're used to. And we'll have what's called a vagal response where you have a stimulation of the vagal nerve. So their heart rate drops, their respiratory rate drops. They just cannot get on top of it. So they're to them, they're like, what is going on? My performance is suffering. Because it's an inherent response where your body's slowing everything down to be able to conserve heat. So from an athletic standpoint, we have people who are triathletes or open water swimmers and they get in the water. And again, it's not as warm as they're used to. And they're swimming and they feel okay, but their body's like, no, we're not doing this. So their entire performance will suffer. Mm. And the other side of things is if we are all of a sudden exposed to extreme heat, and you're trying to race hard in that. And as you're racing, your internal temperature comes up. So your body's trying to offload that heat plus the environmental heat that you can absorb. Then you get to a point where your body just gets too hot. And that's where we start to see um, like heat exhaustion. People might stop sweating. And so these are aspects that affect performance and can become clinical problems. And then you can compound that with dehydration and the heat. Hmm. Thank you. Now, now we're talking about thermal regulation. When I think about, and maybe you've already answered this, but but um, I just didn't catch it. But um, I always think of when I think of environmental impact, and and it, I think of cold specifically. I think of like hypothermia, 
it, but there's also a phrase called hyperthermia. What's the difference between hypothermia and hyperthermia? Is that what you just talked about? Heat versus cold or is it something different? Yeah, no, it is. So hypothermia means that you your core temperature and your body temperature is too low. And hyperthermia means it's too hot. So there, yeah. So hyper, too much. Hypo, too little. Okay. Okay. So you did you did talk about that, and uh, that that's good to keep that terminology in uh, in mind. Um, your really area of expertise is the difference between men and women, and uh, and to some degree, especially where it, it comes to this thermal regulation. You alluded to it a little bit before, but what are some of the key differences between men and women in the way that they thermoregulate? And then how do you translate that into better performance as an athlete? So the if we look at heat specifically, and then I'll talk a little bit about cold. So when we're talking about heat and exercise, women will tend to vasodilate first. So that means that they will... Um, bring more blood to the periphery, They'll, uh, their blood vessels open up. And so they are trying to offload heat by re- releasing heat to the air and the air comes and circulates and takes rid of it. Then they'll start sweating. So then sweat is more an effective means because the water comes to the skin surface and um, you have evaporative cooling. So the sweat evaporates and takes heat with it. We know that... Um, there's a small difference between menstrual cycle phase where when you're in a high hormone phase, that sweat onset occurs even later and your core temperature is higher. So your ability to withstand the heat is a little bit reduced. And then when we look specifically at men, men vasodilate for a very small amount of time and then start sweating. So their sweat onset is a lot faster. So they're able to actually cool a lot faster in, um, dry conditions, hot conditions. Women have a slight advantage when we're looking at really humid conditions because they have that longer time of vasodilation. The other aspect is when we're looking at how women are getting rid of heat, women tend to hold on to a greater amount of heat so their actual um, internal temperature will stay hotter for a longer period of time. And so when we're looking at the recommendations for um, hydration and we're looking at recommendations for environmental temperature, they're not quite right for women because women hold on to a greater amount of heat and they don't sweat as much. So we have to look at workload capacity and we need to train for that. Whereas men, we're looking at staying hydrated. You can drink to thirst. You are able to push a little bit more because you have more body water available for sweating. Um, You also have less uh, um, body fat as well. So you have less insulation. So there's just differences in the way that men and women can respond to being able to perform well in the heat. When we look at cold, there's a temperature gradient difference. So when we hear about ice baths, we hear about cold water immersion, and we see that the recommendation or the ability to withstand the cold is around 32 degrees Fahrenheit or zero degrees Celsius. For women, it's around 50, 50 degrees oh, Fahrenheit. Wow. That, that's quite a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. And yeah. <laughs> and it has to do with um, skin and, and also uh, blood temperature going to the brain. So we're looking at the gradient 
of water to skin and how the body's responding that it doesn't have to be as cold for women to get some immediate responses. So for men, um, it, you can withstand that zero degrees. You have a larger amount of muscle mass and you also have a faster vasoconstrictive response. But for women, women tend to vasodilate first under extreme conditions. So the blood goes to the periphery first. So when they get in the cold water, that gradient doesn't have to be as great to get those responses. That's why we see more incidences of women having vagal responses in cold water. We see women having more severe responses to when they get out of the water, I might get on the bike for a triathlon and they have more Raynaud's responses or just can't handle the cold. We also see it in office buildings when you have air conditioning in the summertime. And women are like, hey, wait, I'm freezing. And the men are like, wait, I'm not. It's 70 degrees. It's, it's great. It's, it's women's winter. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. June, June to August yes. here in the in the Northern Hemisphere is women's <laughs> winter for sure. Exactly. So these are things that uh, we need to tell athletes so that when they're coming into a competition or they're trying to optimize their performance in their training, they can understand that, hey, wait, as a woman, these guidelines for heat and these guidelines for cold aren't that appropriate for me because my physiology is different. My responses are different. So, so let's try to, if we can find at least maybe one or two applications for that. If, if you understand that scenario better, if you understand that a woman uh, holds more heat longer, uh, is slower to sweat, let's say that you're a basketball player. What do you do with that information so that you can, optimize your performance for your basketball game? So if we don't have any time to um, acclimatize by getting into a sauna or, or a spa leading up to competition, we can look at drinking something that's cold before the game. So we're drinking like a, an, a slushy that has a little bit of salt in it and a little bit of carbohydrate so that we can use the, what we call the enthalpy of heat to drop the core temperature before they start. Also, same thing as um, halftime and other other breaks in the game, you're drinking something cold. Um, then when we're looking at if you have time to acclimatize, then we're doing 15 to 20 minutes of sauna exposure right after exercise for nine days in a row. Because what that does is it shifts your threshold responses so that if you are playing in 80 degrees, your body feels like it's playing in 60 because you're able to have a, a wider temperature range to be able to respond to the heat. It also gives you more blood volume, so you end up with more available water for sweating. Um, men can do it too, but they only need five days after, instead of nine days. And then they can get some circulatory and greater blood volume responses to be able to respond better in the heat as well. Okay, so mm. that's so interesting. Yeah. We talked a little bit about the heat. You're going into a basketball game where you know you're going to be hot and sweaty. Uh, you had mentioned earlier a triathlon or a, a, you know, a long open water swim or something like that. Practical application, how would a woman prepare for that in a way that is different from a man? If, if, the, if the temperature is going to be on the cooler side, let's say. Yeah, so men don't have to worry so much about it. Like I said, they won't because of the temperature gradient, but one of the things I have my open water swimmers do is to do uh, cold water immersion up to the neck so that they are getting that response. Or if they're, they don't have the availability of like a tub or something that's cold water, we do a face immersion. So this is something that 
every exercise physiology student has to do in the lab at some point, put your face in water because then you get that vagal response. And there are three different ways the body habituates to cold water or cold responses. And the first one is desensitizing the face to cold. So if we do a couple of 20 second bursts of cold water in on the face, then it invokes that vagal response and your body learns it so that when you do get into the cold water to swim, you're not going to have that same response. Mm-hmm. And it only takes four, four sessions of 20 to 30 seconds. So then you get that immediate habituation. And then when you dive into cold water, you're not going to get that immediate vagal nerve that drops your respiratory and heart rate. So just, I want to make sure I understand this. If let, let's say just, this is this is real. We, right. we, we've had to move our triathlon out to uh, a reservoir that's called Gunlock, and it's a little bit colder than the original venue that we had planned to use. So if I'm a woman preparing for that, if, first of all, if I'm a man, I don't need to worry too much about it. I'm probably going to be okay because of that that gradient, as you said. But if yep. I'm a woman, the morning of the race, if I came prepared with some way, whether it's a Tupperware container with some water and ice in it or whatever. But if I came prepared in some way, I can just dump my head or my face into the water four or five times. And that's going to help prepare me for that colder water as I jump in for the triathlon. Did, did I understand that correctly? No, you need to do it beforehand. Okay. Okay. You need so to do it's not it. the day of. Not the day of, because then you will get that vagal response. So we're looking at, okay, you come in from a training session, right? And you're hot. And part of it is dropping your core temperature, but also getting that shock so that you just put your face in the cold water for 20 or 30 seconds and you do that four or five days in a row. And by the time you do the fourth or fifth one, you're going to notice that you're not having that extreme shock response and immediate heart rate drop um, because that's that that learned response your body's having. Oh, this is something that I can I can do. This is something that that I can learn the stress to. So then, you know, the next week when you go to dive into the cold water, your body's like, oh, I got this. Not a problem. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. So it takes a few days of preparation leading up to, but by doing just a simple little thing, it can actually allow your body to perform at your peak performance and feels like it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I hope our triathletes are listening. (laughs) So we'll have to send them a copy of the show for sure. So we've only got about a minute left. Um, what would you tell coaches who are working with women? What's what's the most important thing that they need to know and understand as they're trying to help these uh, you know uh, women or females have the mm-hmm. very best possible outcome in their athletic performance? What's the biggest thing you would tell? Ah, uh, gosh, I think the biggest thing really is listen, listen, because a lot of times like women inherently will feel something's not quite right and they might find patterns across the month. So if you're a coach and you are working specifically with women, know that all the data and everything that you've learned for protocols uh, all the way from training to recovery based on male data. So we need to listen to our female athletes. We need to allow them to talk to you about, hey, for some reason, every three weeks or so, I have this really flat day. We need to accommodate for that. And most likely, it has to do with hormone fluctuations. And we see differences as women get older as well because bodies are changing again. So it's really important to listen and find these patterns so that you can tweak training, you can tweak recovery to really maximize the adaptations these women are getting. 
I love it. Mm, I love it. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. I mean, just from a personal standpoint, yeah. <laughs> that's very, very helpful. But I think from a general standpoint as well, yeah. really interesting stuff. I, yeah. I know you've got a million other things that you're, you've researched and and been able to, uh, you know, tease out uh, understandings of. We're not going to have time to get to that because we've run out of time. But thank you so much yes, for sharing your you. expertise and your time with us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah. No worries. Thanks for having me. I was interested. That stuff. was very Little interesting. I, that was awesome. I, I I love learning new things. Yeah, this is certainly new. Yeah, it's really really cool. And you can use it. I will be able to use <laughs> it. Will. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. A couple of quick things just mm-hmm. to wrap us up here. I mentioned it at the beginning of the show, but it is time to register yes. now. Is yeah. the time? This is the last time I'm going to be able to say this on the show yeah. this year yeah. because next show oh. it's going to be closed. So <laughs> September 5th, we've extended to September 5th. Yep. Get those registrations in and be a part of the 2023 mm-hmm. games. See seniorgames.net. It has everything you need to know right there. Once again, seniorgames.net. Our guest next week is the 2021 Ironman world champion for women in the age group of 70 to 74. Not only does exercise scientist and endurance sport enthusiast Diane Tracy devote five hours each morning to swimming, biking, and running, which is amazing, but she also mentors and inspires marathoners and triathletes all around her all year long. So you want to check that out next week. Remember to tune in live next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time on AM 1450 or FM 93.1 for the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. We take this live show and turn it into a podcast, and you can find that anywhere that you find your favorite podcast. You can also find this and previous shows run on our website. Once again, that is SeniorGames.net, so check it out. Today's inspirational thought, and I like this one a lot. Healthy is an outfit that looks different on everybody. Until next Thursday, stay active.